Hello everyone, I am Madhurima Sapati. I am a freedom soul coach that helps multi-passionate, ambitious dreamers basically go out there and help them manage their stress and prevent burnout so that they can work on their dreams, manifest their dreams without their own selves holding them back. One of my current missions in life is to make stress management fun and uh, help people realize that it's not something that will take away from your personal or professional life, but it can just be something fun that you do and it still helps you manage your stress. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Self-care is a phrase you've probably come across, but what does it really mean? Judging by what we see in advertisements or on social media, we might think it's all about candles, yoga, and luxury bath bombs. We might think it costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time, and we might feel like it just isn't for us. But is that really what it's all about? Hey everyone, it's JD, and you're listening to the What's Your Story podcast. You see, in its simplest form, self-care is just the little things we do to look after our own mental health. It's about trying to listen to how we are feeling and understanding what we need, even if it's difficult, so we can care for ourselves. This could mean taking a time out when we're feeling overwhelmed. It could mean making time to do an activity that we know makes us feel good. Or it could be as simple as making sure to do the basics like eating and sleeping well when we're struggling. Today's storyteller, Matarima is going to talk a lot about burnout, stress, and ultimately what it looks like to begin taking care of your internal and external self. So I'm going to accompany their story with an exploration of self-care, what it is, what it isn't, and how you can practice it. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. What works for one person may not work for someone else. It also looks different depending on where we're at mentally at the time. What works for us when we're doing well might feel impossible when we're going through a hard time. But that's okay. The important thing is that we listen to what we need, not what we think the world needs from us. When we think about self-care, we might think of a particular activity like reading a book or having a bath. 
Self-care can be a single activity like this, but it doesn't have to be. It could be setting a boundary with someone to look after your own mental health. It could be pushing yourself to do something you want to do, even though you're nervous about it. Or it could be giving yourself permission to take a break and doing nothing at all. Remember, the important thing with self-care is not what it looks like, but what it does for you and how it makes you feel. Because when it comes to self-care, it's not one thing, it's your thing. Ooh, my story is pretty big. Um, we can start off with uh, the fact that the work that I'm doing right now revolves deeply around the fact that I have been and I'm pretty sure I will continue to be an ambitious person. But when I was young, I didn't know how to manage my stress, right? Like I was just like, yeah, I have to win. I have to make my parents proud. It's the Asian kid thing. Um, you have to do everything that you can to be the star. And like my parents never kind of forced me or anything like that. But uh, that just made me want to kind of pile up more expectations on myself to reach an arbitrary uh, <laughs> kind of status that no one asked me to reach. But then there was also the fact that, no, I have to be that person for my parents. Um, and then, you know, obviously uh, there were the fact, there was the fact that my parents had difficult um everyone struggles right like they struggled as well and they were pretty open about their struggles from a really young age not to impose upon us but almost to be like stuff like this happens you will learn to move through it it's completely it's the reality right and um i'm grateful for that but it also made me be like ah you know what they went through this i i don't want to add any more struggle upon them so I was always the ambitious kid and I remember falling sick literally every single time the exams would roll in like we had an ongoing joke in the house like ah honey's like that's my pet name like honey's falling sick that basically means that the exams are rolling in like they wouldn't even check the timetable they'd just look at me and they'd be like exam time huh like oh, yeah <laughs> but no, um eventually I feel like that carried forward um my dad wanted to wanted me to become a doctor once again every Asian kid thing right and I wanted to become a doctor as well because there was that intent of wanting to help people however I can however one thing that happens a lot in India is that the competition is really high so um, I I remember having felt extremely sick like I went to write one of my exams and these are the base exams right like these are the 12th exams and um, I had like 104 fever and I still went, I still wrote the exam and I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm about to pass out. I did as much as I could, barely passed, which was another hit to my ego. I was like, oh, how can I? Um, yeah, <laughs> but I did something, came back and uh, eventually when I started preparing for the, uh, the pre-med exams, entrance exams, I... Um, that held a lot of weightage the exam that I almost passed and held a lot of weightage and um, there was also the fact that I kept losing my seat by a couple of marks so just by two to three marks I would lose a government seat and that would genuinely push me back thousands of kids uh, so competition is that fierce here and um, yeah and I remember I took a drop year to try again because obviously I just lost by a couple of marks right like I can definitely cover that up in an year's time yeah um but it didn't work out to be completely honest because I remember towards the end 
every time I would sit down to write an exam, I would just go into a panic state, right? I would have like sweaty palms. I would breathe heavily. Things would blank out. I would ju- I'd just be there like, get me out of here. Um, so for a really long time, uh, yeah, I mean, that was really crazy. And now that I look back, doing the work that I do, I recognize that that was like student burnout that I went through. I was just not aware about it. As like, everyone's probably going through this. So it was pretty hectic. Um, again, once again, I kind of lost the seat by a couple of marks. So I was like, dang, you know, no matter how I try. And um, after that point, I didn't want to take another drop year to figure it out. I just knew that I couldn't do this again. I couldn't, you know, go through the entire process all over again. And uh, I chose another profession. And uh, whew, I remember I got into hotel management. I was one of the top students there. Once again, you know, the thing kept carrying forward that I was one of the top students. I was there in everything that I could possibly be in. And I remember it was 2018. Uh, we had gotten to know that my dad had cancer in 2017. And his prognosis was not, was not really good. Like it, we just had like five years with him but then he had recovered like in 2018 March we knew that he recovered he he was completely clean but like amazing can't believe it this is so dope and uh, I remember April 15th I got a call from my mom that uh, in April we got to know that it had come back again he had relapsed yeah and um, we were waiting in the hospital like he was waiting in the hospital to get his chemo started up all over again april 15th i got a call from my mom that dad's not looking well you need to come back and uh, i remember rushing back i at that point of time i didn't even know if he was alive or you know uh, it was just like my mom trying to ensure that i safely come back home at least uh so it was very chaotic. Um, I had my exams on April 24th. I remember that. So I was preparing for my exams at that time. So the stress of that, along with the stress of my dad not being well, was very chaotic. Right about now, you're probably asking, how can self-care help? Well, first of all, self-care is not a replacement for getting help from friends, family, or professionals. Nor is it about having to fix your problems on your own. It's an important part of maintaining good mental health. In the same way that a computer or a car needs maintenance, we need to check in with ourselves and practice self-care to look after our mental health and well-being. Look, we all face challenges in life, and self-care is a way of ensuring we're in the best possible headspace to take on those challenges. You may feel as though you don't need to practice self-care, you don't have the time to practice self-care, or you might even be saying that practicing self-care is a waste of time. But taking time for yourself is even more important when you're busy with other things. And if you're able to look after your own needs, other areas of your life will feel more manageable. For example, in this case, if you're worried about exams, you may feel like you need to spend all of your time revising. While is it of course important to revise, if you don't take time to look after yourself by doing things like eating and sleeping well, and if you don't give yourself time to unwind by doing something you enjoy like, I don't know, playing a video game, watching a movie, or just simply seeing your friends, you'll find it harder to study and revise. Look, our bodies are beautiful machines, but ultimately, we are not machines. We all need a break sometimes. You may feel like doing self-care is selfish, and there's that saying, right, that self-care isn't selfish. 
especially if you have responsibilities like caring for a friend or family member. But there's nothing selfish about looking after yourself, and actually doing so will make you a better, able to do other things you need to do. Remember that old saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. I remember though with my dad, I was suppressing a lot of things, right? Like um, when my mom called me at 12 o'clock at night, which gave me another trauma. Like after that point of time, I could, I would always feel panicked every time my phone rang for like two, three years. Every time my phone rang, I would be like, oh, dang. Yeah, and uh, yeah, right. And um, I, I remember taking a cold shower to calm myself down. Like these things I know about now. Then I just instinctually just went, took a cold shower, stood underneath the water, calmed myself down. I was like, okay, I'm doing everything that I can in my control is to go back, get a flight, reach home as soon as possible. Um, bless my friends. They genuinely helped me figure out tax. Like they booked my flights. They did everything for me. They helped me get back home. And uh, dad was fine. Um, things were working and then suddenly they weren't working anymore. Um, he was out of danger and then he was back in danger. And I think it was on April 24 that uh, we lost him. And uh, our doctors had told us on 22nd of April that I think, yeah, a couple of days before he passed away that uh, we, like, we couldn't, we had an option to either put him on a ventilator, but the things, like, things weren't looking good. So I could either choose to, I could either choose to, I, I mean, we could either choose to do that or just let him pass away peacefully. And we were thinking about it and I, I the amount of pain he was in, man, JD, I can't even, oof. Um, I remember praying on the morning, I remember on the morning of 24th, um, he was in the ICU and we could hear his cries still out. Like he wasn't that much pain. And uh we had decided against the ventilator, but on the morning of 24th, I was like, I genuinely begged God. I was like, if you're not healing him, at least take him away because he doesn't deserve the pain he is in right now. He has been such a good man all his life. He doesn't deserve it. Um, all this time, mom was a really huge strength. She was like, if we will let him go very peacefully. We will um, stand tall and we'll let him know that we love him and we'll let him know that we'll figure it out. Um, and there was that aspect to it. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, I just, I remember, and this is going to sound so crazy, after dad passed away, um, me and my brother went up to the hotel room and it was almost like a switch, right? We we didn't cry. I mean, I, I was crying when he was um going away but my mom just looked at me like don't let him go knowing that we are we are here to support him yeah we are strong uh before that and after that we cried for sure but at that moment my mom was like not right now uh let him know that we are powerful and he has done everything that he could for us but i remember going back into the hospital room and um i just a switch just switched on like you know uh, me and my brother opened up TV and we were just randomly watching things like we processed our grief very differently um, it was very different like I, I remember one of the biggest trends for me at that point of time was the boy band BTS like I had been following them for a really long time but 
every single like I used to binge listen to their songs because I needed a way to feel things right and um I remember dang it it was so crazy I remember uh we have like a 13 day process of grieving um here in India and uh at that point of time things just went by in a blur you know I was we were all working on autopilot we were um taking care of all the guests who had come in the house we were feeding everyone like i remember so many of my friends parents had come by and i would just like it would take me 2 to 3 minutes to register who the person in front of me was because i was just on autopilot i was just like someone's here i don't know who this person is but they are here we'll be right back Each of us is a constantly unfolding narrative, a hero in a novel no one else can write, which is why I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these stories here on this podcast. You see, if I could sum up everything I've learned from being a mental health educator, it would boil down to one thing. You are not alone. I believe in the healing power of telling your story and sharing with the world. And so, I created an opportunity I'm so solidly behind when it comes to healing from trauma and tragedy. due to the darkness of mental illness. As someone who's a listener of this podcast, I want to personally invite you to the storyteller community. For $5 a month, the storyteller community is a private self-led community for those willing to do the work to create lasting transformation on their path to greater mental clarity. It's a community that thrives in the mindset that in our oneness, we can find an opportunity to truly heal. Head over to the website at fragilemoments.org/community today to learn more. I cannot wait to have you be part of the storyteller community with me as we share our collective stories and journeys from all over the world. So head over to fragilemoments.org/community and let's build, share, and heal together. People from all over the world have been sending in questions and it turns out that most of us are dealing with the same kinds of things from breakups and loss to work pressure. racism to gender dealing with parents to dealing with social media and want to talk more about them so ask me anything head over to the website today at fragilemoments.org/ask whatever you think our generation needs to have conversations about when it comes to what weighs on us and causes our mental health struggles sometimes i'll combine research with my own thoughts and other times i'll bring in an expert for a chat on social media where you can join the conversation All submissions are anonymous. I only ask for general demographic info in order to understand our reach and our impact. So head to fragilemoments.org/ask today. And remember, I'm just a human being like you. I just happen to think we should talk more. If you're not sure what to do for self-care or how to figure out what works for you, you can start by asking yourself these few questions. What can I do within my power that will make me feel better? What helps me recharge when I'm feeling drained? What helps me forget about my problems? If my best friend were in my position right now, what would I encourage them to do? And are my needs right now emotional, physical, or practical? Finding the self-care that works for you may be a case of trial and error. If self-care isn't something you normally do, then it might feel strange at first. You might even feel guilty or like you're being selfish. Trust me, stick with it. because you deserve to take time to look after yourself. 
In the end, self-care doesn't have to be a big event. You don't need a whole evening with scented candles and relaxing music to practice self-care. As we've mentioned, it could be as simple as asking yourself if there's anything you need to do to look after yourself or your mental health. If you're struggling to check in with yourself or find that you don't have the time, try setting a calendar reminder on your phone or in any smart device these days. This can help you make time in your day to practice that self-care so that in the end, you make it a habit that works and sticks to your well-being and your lifestyle. Yeah, we knew what the reality was. And we just moved through it. We we just shut off. I remember after the 13th day when everyone had left. Everyone, like all our relatives, everyone who had come in. I remember feeling so angry with um, the relatives who had come by because they were trying to be like, uh, let us take care of um, when the body had arrived. We have again a process, right? And um, I remember feeling frustrated that they wanted to take part and they wanted to be the first person who could do anything um, in terms of the rituals that we had to do. And it was like, you don't deserve that. You guys didn't show up for an entire year when he was... Like, my mom and my brother were the only ones who were dealing with everything that went on. You know, from the chemo to... um, When people go through chemo, they get very aggravated. They get very irritable. Um, My family went through that. You guys never showed up. You guys showed up at the end and now... I showed up in the end and even I felt disgusted because I was in college. Everyone, my family told me... You do your job. We are doing everything we can to take it to take care of him over here. It was my third year and there were four years of college and I remember feeling so guilty, but I knew that at that point of time all I could do was ensure that my parents knew that I was doing everything I can to support them and I wasn't like being quote unquote a burden. Like oh because that's emotional burden, right? Uh she's not she, she's not studying because of us. She's not um, doing everything that she possibly can because of us. I didn't want that to happen. So I studied my butt off. I remember that. But I felt like I didn't have the right at that point of time to do as much as my mom and my brother did. And and so I was really aggravated with all the people who came by. I remember someone commenting that um, you didn't do enough for us as he was going away. And I was like, he gave his life for you guys. What the hell are you guys talking about? And I was really irritated. I was very irritated. I was very angry. But I was just moving through things, you know. I was just one after the other. I was just like, oh, I'm feeling this emotion. All right, great. Next emotion, next emotion, next emotion. Um, and after the 13th day, after everyone had left, I think it was at that point that we started to grieve him properly. Right? And it was... I feel like our grieving process, it wasn't, I don't know what's normal when it comes to grieving. I'm not even going to lie. I thought that there was a normal grieving process, but now I just know that everyone just goes through it differently. Like my brother didn't cry, but he held on to so many emotions and he still does. I'm pretty sure my mom has a different way of expressing her emotions. I remember one year later down the line, I once again had my exams uh, because I had gone back to university for four months. And um, 
I couldn't function the entire day. I just once again went to write the exam in a blanked out state. Wrote whatever I could and came back. And I remember just sleeping it off. Like in mid in between the exam, I just closed my eyes. I lied down. Didn't do anything for like half an hour during the time when he was passing. I, I mean, I feel like there are all these different ways of grieving. Um, over the years, uh, I was like, ah, he's with us. So I, I started like, again, this is gonna sound crazy, but I started talking to him. Right? I was like, hey, dad, how you doing? Good morning, Appa. Good morning, Vijupa. Um, just started talking to him. Like at any point of time, I would feel like there is this. moment of difficulty or struggle as like what you doing up there take care of us <laughs> you know uh, sounds crazy sometimes when we're struggling with our own mental health self care can feel really difficult or even impossible we may feel bad that we're aren't able to get enjoyment or comfort out of things we used to do to feel good it's completely normal and the good news is it's temporary in the meantime the important thing is to just Your expectations of self-care. Try to focus on the basics and think about little steps you can take to look after yourself. This might include things like meeting basic needs, eating, drinking water, washing, sleeping. Celebrate the small achievements. Try to focus on yourself and not compare yourself to others. I know that's hard to do. And ask for support and help from others because ultimately, just because you need help, doesn't mean you're not worth helping. For those of us though with a health condition or disability that impacts our ability to do certain things, a lot of the activities that get recommended for self-care may be a challenge or may not be possible at all. This can feel alienating and frustrating, I know, but remember that when it comes to self-care, the important thing is to find what feels right for you. Because it's not about the form your self-care takes, it's about the way it makes you feel. I'd once again burnt out um, really badly at the end of 2019, and yeah, things started to show up after 2020. Um, when the pandemic hit us, I was anxious. I had developed health anxiety after that point of time. Like I had health anxiety before that, but it just grew to an enormous level um, after Dad passed away. Like I would have nightmares of just roaming around in the hospital, just going from one nurse to other to kind of yeah, it was very chaotic. Um, And I think towards the end of 2020, I genuinely sat down, grounded myself, thought about what I want to do, what my purpose is in life. And one of the things that genuinely guided me was one of the things that Dad had told us that, um, hey, you know what? All I want you to do, I don't care what you do in life. All I want you to do is be good citizens. That just, yeah, that was one of the guiding things that helped me decide the work that I do right now. And ironically, I came back to. Once again, helping people. For a really long time, we were we were a very spiritual family, right? Like from the very get go, we would have spiritual discussions as we were kids. Like my parents were really open about it, so we would have spiritual discussions. We would talk about uh, philosophies of life, our part in this world, and all of that stuff. And I remember that I had moved away from it. um during my teenage years because there was a lot of bad media surrounding spirituality and i was like i don't want to be associated with that um but i think that after that passed away there was this aspect of me getting back in touch with my spirituality and that genuinely helped me to become the person that i am right now like a lot of the work that i do um at the center of it all there is spirituality 
that exists and uh, i have my thank i have my dad to thank for that because he was um he was someone who guided us on this journey so yeah there's definitely that aspect of it currently what i do is i help people once again with stress management and burnout uh having gone through stress having burnt out a couple of times in there i was like i remember starting out wanting to help people reconnect with themselves because that was a journey that i was up on part of um in 2020 was just reconnect with myself and how much spirituality helped me with that and i remember one of my mentors asking this is powerful but what else and that was when burnout came into the scenario so from burnout i recognized that burnout happens because of improper stress management over a really long period of time so it's stress that i need to help people with and so that's the journey that i am on right now self care isn't selfish ongoing self care is probably the most efficient and cost effective way to manage your own mental health consistently creating space to pause listen and reflect on what you really need we hear that phrase self care isn't selfish a lot and the meaning sometimes gets lost my hope is that after hearing today's story and the information provided that meaning of self care has become just a little bit more clear i want to say thank you to marima for taking the time to de-stress and share their story so that we can better understand the road to practicing self care and how beneficial that is to our overall well-being. What's your story is produced by me, JD, with background music by Chad Lawson. As always though, those stories, well they're all yours, the listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org/tellyourstory. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, let me know over at @storysharingpod on Twitter. Above all, Thanks to you for tuning in to What's Your Story and helping me shed some much-needed light on mental illness. Any show, big or small, but especially a small one like this one, survives based on reviews from you, the listener. If you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and send me the screenshot, I'll give you a shout-out on a future episode as a token of my gratitude. Thanks again for tuning in, and I look forward to one day hearing your story because. We all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung.